welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Jesse Harlan for Mafia Definitive Edition. The game is a remake of the very first Mafia game, which came out in 2002, but it has completely new music written by Jesse. We've had Jesse on the show twice before. Once was for a game called Yoku's Island Express in 2018, and then a couple years before that in 2016, Jesse was on Level to talk about his work on Mafia 3. That score for Mafia 3 was mostly a blues score, but the score for Mafia Definitive Edition is entirely orchestral, uh, which was great fun to talk about. So we initially start off talking about Jesse's relationship to the Mafia franchise. It's interesting, you know. I I grew up a, a console gamer um, as a kid, and um, so I, I, not only did I grow up a console gamer, but my dad in the '90s was like a hardcore um, Mac evangelist at the okay. time, um, to the point that he he was like, "We will never own a PC." Macs are the future of computing, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I what that all equates to is I basically never had any experience with PC gaming. Um, okay, yeah. While I was growing up, so um, I had never played the original Mafia game that came out in two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I did Mafia three. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, to really get to, but I knew going into that, I, I didn't even know what the other scores were except that they were orchestral and I didn't go listen to them because I didn't feel like there was a lot of, um, point in listening to scores when we had decided to so radically depart from them anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I listened a little bit to the mafia two score because the, the theme that I came up with for Vito Scaletta, one of the characters who is actually a recurring character from Mafia 2, um, I based his theme off of the main theme to um, Mafia 2. Oh, nice. So um, I listened to the main theme, but that was kind of it. So starting this project, even though this was the second Mafia game I had worked on, this was the first time I was going to go back and actually hear what the original scores sounded like. And even <laughs> then, I didn't really want to do uh, do that now because uh, because the team had come to me and the first thing they said is, we're going to be making an, a redone version of the game and we'd like you to make an all new score for it. So wow. already starting out, I thought, okay, so they want me to come up with something new. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into what had already been done mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't want it to too much color what I'm going to do on the new score. Right. So yeah. I actually I went through and I listened through Mafia One score once, and that's the that was it. That was the <laughs> I didn't listen through the thing um, again until I had finished my score. It was just a couple weeks ago. I went and thought, you know what? I I'm curious as to what it sounds like now that I'm done. 
I wonder, I wonder where things are at in terms of the scores side by side. And, um, and it was interesting taking a listen to the score again after like a year and a half or, uh, yeah, about a year and a half, because even though they're very different sounding scores, they're still orchestral scores and they still hit a lot of the same emotional beats. Um, and I think that's probably because of the, the story arc and the way that the story is told, mm-hmm. it just sort of implies a certain um, emotional musical arc. And I think the game's original composer, Vladimir Simulnik, I think I think it's pronounced Simulnik, I might be wrong about that, but uh, Vladimir's score and my score do some very similar things, even though um, obviously he didn't hear mine because, you know, he wrote it. <laughs> 18 years ago. And then I listened to his once and um, we still did similar things. remember for when you did Mafia 3 and we talked about that score, you talked about how, you know, the central characters kind of to create their themes or just kind of what their music was about, you really tried to think about what kind of music they would listen to. Do you remember talking about that? Yeah. I I do. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you had the opportunity to kind of approach things from that direction here as well or how you went about that. Boy, did I! Nice. <laughs> I, I do that on every game that I that I do, and it wasn't something I could really do with Yoko's Island Express um, because yeah. it was just <laughs> dung beetle who shows up on an island. Um, <laughs> but uh, with the other games, yeah, I really um, I think I overthink it <laughs> to a large degree. <laughs> I, I I don't even really sometimes check with the development team like I don't because if I wait around and I ask questions like all right can you guys send me documents on what this character's backstory is I might never get them so I kind of just what I do is I'll read the script and you get a real sense of who people are from reading the script and then um, and then I'm able to kind of make some assumptions and backfill some things so with Mafia 1 it's set in 1930 Everybody in the game is probably about uh, when the game starts. Tommy Angelo, the main character, he's probably in his twenties, but um, more or less everybody is is older than that. And so that means that even though we're in the 1930s, everybody is basically coming from the end of the 19th century, and um, and not only that. But they're Italian in America, which means they are almost certainly Catholics, which Mm -hmm. means they attend a lot of Catholic church services, which means they'd be steeped in um, liturgical um, Catholic music. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It means that um, a lot of them are from are uh, like a, a lot of the characters specifically were born in Italy, I think Sicily, and so they would have listened to Italian folk music, and mm-hmm. they were um, some of them are more well to do, so they probably would have attended operas and and classical theater. Um, and so those are the sounds that I thought these characters were going to be used to listening to. And on top of that, there's this sort of ambient exposure probably to jazz, which is coming about in the 1930s here. And the city is the city of lost heaven is basically a, a, an analog for Chicago. So Chicago, one of the main, um, hubs of mm-hmm. jazz in the in the thirties. Um, so they would be exposed to some jazz, but I leaned a lot more heavily on the end of the Romantic era of classical music and this notion of Italian folk music and church music and all of that all tied together. And I heard a lot of that influence in there, and it's really nice. And it, it really was just refreshing um, to just hear it literally be an orchestral score. So talk yeah. to me about that, too, because so much now, I just automatically assume I'm going to hear a hybrid score. Now, obviously, mm. I assume there's some, some electronics in there somewhere. But it's just so, I mean, and maybe there aren't, but it's just, uh, it was really nice. So, so tell us about that. There isn't. Actually. Nice. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. I just assumed no. maybe not even a little reverb. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> there's but otherwise, reverb and there's, yeah. you know, a hefty amount of Pro Tools editing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you want to get into it. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's just an orchestral score. Nice. Um, yeah. We recorded for two weeks and um, we recorded strings in Prague, and we mm. recorded the um, wind, brass, and percussion instruments in Nashville. And because the original game was developed in Czechia back um, in 2001, and because part of the team developing the remake was um, the 2K Czech team, there was this very strong sense of of nationalistic pride about this game and, mm. and the game's music. And um, you know, there are there are orchestras in Chechia that will still perform suites of the music to the original mafia score. Neat. Um in uh, yeah in, in concert. And so um so we wanted to make sure that we paid tribute to that. And so we recorded the strings over in um in Prague for a week. Um, and it was really interesting because, um, we, I certainly didn't plan this, but, 
uh, it turned out that one of our bass players had actually played on the original sessions back in 2001 um, cool. and uh, was here again playing, playing on the new score. Also, you made you know for the for the soundtrack uh, just really long suites, really of, yeah. of these uh, the, of this music that you wrote, which is also really nice. Uh, you know, yeah. oftentimes on a soundtrack you're getting two and a half, three, three and a half minute tunes, and these are four and a half, five and a half minutes. So you kind of mm-hmm. get to spend time in these spaces and also kind of travel through these moods as well. So tell me about that. Oh, it's a it's like a personal crusade of mine. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot stand when a game soundtrack comes out and it's got like 50 tracks and the, all of them are about a minute to a minute and a half long. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not a listening experience. That's, that's giving someone access to a, a Dropbox folder. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, if I can, change the world of soundtracks in any way it would be to convince any and all composers listening make sure when you do your soundtrack you take your cues and you stitch them together into a listening experience Mm -hmm. because that's what a soundtrack is it's not it's not a um it's not a means of just showing off what you've done it's a means of creating a listening experience for the listener uh, a an emotional journey your music is the only thing they've got of the game in that instance mm-hmm. and it's entirely on you to make it have some some of some journey to it and if you are just firing off a cue and ending it every 90 seconds you're doing a massive disservice to the person who's listening to it. There's a track called A Bit of a Situation, and um, there's also kind of a lighter section about halfway through that track. Mm. Um, Yeah. And it really reminded me uh, of... uh, I've been listening to a lot of autumnal and harvest music lately for Mm. another podcast I do, and, and I just heard like just kind of echoes of like a Copeland thing happening. And and I was real curious (laughs) about that section. It kind of stood out as different. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. What is it? Well, um, the game has a race, a car race in sort of the first third of the game. Um, it's, it's notorious amongst fans of the game because in the original game, it was near impossible to beat and it would like (laughs) just break the spirit of people trying to, play the game and and finish it. And um, it, the original game didn't have any music during the race sequence. Uh, okay. But we were doing the remake, and I was just about done. I think I had about maybe three cues left to write. And on a Friday afternoon, maybe a Friday morning, um, the audio lead, um, or uh, its audio director, Matt Bauer, uh, for Hangar 13, Matt came to me and said, we would love for you to take one of the remaining chase intensity cues that you have to write 
And can you write it for the race sequence? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and he said, we're going to send you some video. And under that video is going to be some reference material that we found. And <laughs> just take a listen and see what you think. And so they sent me this piece. And it was this like absolutely just crazy involved, crazy complicated piece of late 19th century. I don't remember who it was. It was like Schubert or Mahler or something. And it just was like <laughs> nonstop, just. And I, I just, I was like, oh my God, I've got, I've got like five days left to write three pieces of music. I got to get this done. Like I have to do this piece over the weekend. Wow. How am I going to write two minutes of that over the weekend. <laughs> and I just was freaking out about it for uh, probably about an hour. And then, and then I just sort of said to myself like, okay, well, I, I'm just wasting time now. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get going. And I mean, this is the beauty of having a thematic score. You, you, when you've created themes for it and you get handed something like that, you're not starting it square one. You already right. have building blocks that you can pull from. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that it was, I, they because they'd sent me video footage, I knew what it looked like. I knew that it was going to be bright, really colorful because of all the race cars. Uh, it was sunny, that no one was shooting at you for a change in the game. <laughs> um, so I knew that this could be one of the few times in my life that I could write a major key chase sequence. Yeah. Um, and I also knew that because this piece existed only for the race sequence, it didn't have to come out of any piece of music and it didn't have to go into any other piece of music. So right. while the entire rest of the score is in D minor, this one cue changes keys like crazy all throughout because <laughs> I was like, I can do what I want. And I just <laughs> like, would just write for a bit and end up in some key and stay there for a little bit. And then I'd like, I don't know play a melody and decide to just raise one of the main notes a half tone and then I'd be like oh well that's interesting what what key am I in now and I just <laughs> shift or modulate and um uh it was so much fun and when it was Monday morning I had this piece done and I I just I I think I spent all day Monday listening to it over and over and over again, almost just with this sense of like, did I just write this? Like, <laughs> is, did that come out of my brain in like two days? How did I do this? And, uh, and I have gone back to it since in, in the year and, uh, <laughs> year and, and a bit since I wrote it, I've, I've, anytime I've had self doubts, like, what am I doing? Am I going to be able to do this? All right. Am I going to, you know, um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm failing at writing this cue right now. I will look at that cue and I, I'd say to myself, like, don't worry, you wrote that piece of music in a weekend and you're a composer and you can get this done and uh, you'll be fine. And it <laughs> just sort of calms me down just knowing that I got through that experience.
uh, uh, you know, some really great trumpet stuff throughout this. I remember mm. that from Mafia 3, too. Mafia 3 also uh, much more, I would say, jazz and blues in that one than you hear in this one. Would you agree? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, but I loved all that trumpet. So talk to me a little bit about, I mean, sometimes it was really like noir trumpet jazzy. Yeah. And then there were other just, I mean, just general amazing brass uh, work as well. But but uh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it's exactly that. It was a s- sense of wanting this uh, bit of a jazz influence into the score. Um, and so... Because there's some jazz, it tends to find its way into chord voicings or certain harmonies um, in most of the cues. But then there's a section of stuff that is specifically just for when Tommy, the the protagonist, is spending time with his uh, love interest, Sarah. And it's the only time other than the race sequence where no one's trying to kill him. And um, (laughs) so he's just able to relax and he's Mm -hmm. able to have some time unwinding and, and, and dealing with the insanity that is the rest of his life in the mafia. Mm -hmm. And, and they have quiet time together. And so I wanted to give them some sense of calm and some sense of, some um, something kind of cool and and something that could be a contrast to all of the other crazy stuff going on. So the Noir's trumpet stuff really, uh, it did that well, I think. And it, it was a texture that, it, it so instantly roots it in the in that time period, you know? Yep. Um, and then uh, and then outside of that, other than the other than the, the noir and the jazz stuff, um, I I was really kind of, so I was I was doing this score and and um, ended up kind of writing what I think of as like um, the phrase I've been using is a bullet opera um, <laughs> where it's it's inspired by the classical music of the late 19th century it's not a it's not a modern um, sounding hybrid score in any way and it um, it has a lot of melodic and harmonic sensibilities that come from older classical music and um and i got to write a bunch of if interesting trumpet and brass stuff because of that that i yeah. like sort of haven't been able to do anywhere else before Uh, 
Um, also, the clarinet in our business has rules is absolutely mm. phenomenal. And yeah. I, mean, I always say that if I were to go back and do it all again, I'd play clarinet instead of trumpet because <laughs> I love clarinet. <laughs> and so that I thought was really fun. Tell me a little bit about including that as a solo instrument. Yeah, I love clarinet as well. I, and I think clarinet is one of those things that um, sampled instruments doesn't get well. Um, mm -hmm. and I can sketch out cues with a clarinet sample pretty well, but there's just absolutely nothing like getting someone who really understands their instrument well to be able to play clarinet live for you. And so, um, and so my, I, I think my, if I had to pick my four favorite solo instruments from the orchestra, it would be clarinet, English horn, mm -hmm. uh, cello, and let's say uh, it's a toss-up between piano or um, trumpet. Yeah. Um, but particularly, like not even trumpet, but more like um, more like a cornet or something like uh, something it's that's warmer. softer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is what we used actually on some of that noir stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and in fact, we did um, we did a number of takes of it where we were like, okay, now let's try it with a Harmon. Now let's try it with a Harmon mute with the stem out. Now let's try it with a cut mute. Let's try it with a cornet, et cetera, Fun. et cetera. Until, and yeah. we just sort of all decided like, oh, that's the one that sounds the best. Nice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I loved getting to write for the clarinet. Um, it, it, uh, it was something that I tried to use to represent again, just like, um, the, the, there's sort of a humanity in it that, um, you can get. Uh, and I really yep. tried to really tried to bring in the sort of fragileness of the characters, um, with the with these clarinet lines. So I also wrote down a track one twitch away. little bit there that you just passed by the da 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 yeah that's the bit that inspired the whole score that part yep that's it neat yeah <laughs> cool well why yeah um so i when i was doing the score um i started like i start most projects doing the the original the not the original doing the main theme for the game um, I don't know why I like to start there. I think there's probably multiple ways to think about doing it where you can wait until the end and then make like a suite of music that's the main theme. Uh, for me, for whatever reason, I like to come up with a main theme so that I feel like I have the, the big main puzzle piece that is in the, the game um, done and I know that I can start instantly threading it through cues as I start to write. Yeah, And I started to work on... After getting the main theme done, I started to work on the very first piece 
of um, in-game music, and it was a combat cue. Um, and I was writing, and I got it's it's just a few seconds into the track, um, into that particular cue, uh, when I wrote this bar of music that just went like dun dun da da dum da da dum da da da, and it just had this like this. This uh, this minor key bounce and lightness to it, and the harmonies reminded me of nineteenth century ballet. Nice. And I thought, that's weird. What if I wrote the whole score as if it were a sort of classical ballet to accompany gunfire? Um, <laughs> and I thought. No, no, I can't do that. It's too. It'll it'll be too involved. It'll be, it'll take me too long. I, I'm I'm going to have to study so much reference material to be able to write like that. I just I can't I can't do it. I love the idea, but thank you, bar <laughs> of music. I'm going to have I'm I'm going to save this as something else, and I'll do something with it later. And I set it aside, and I went and I wrote a different piece of music, and um wrote a second piece of music after that. And by the time I had written the second piece of music, I started to notice that more of those little uh, classical flourishes were creeping in. And I just thought like, what am I doing to myself? All right, fine. <laughs> fine. You win, piece of music. You win. And I just committed to it and and wow. went with it and thought the more, I, the more I did, the more I got to thinking of it more as an opera than a ballet and and I think that was due to the the tragedy of the story, the like sure, Shakespearean yeah. tragedy arc to everything, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and knowing that there would be dialogue and 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 weapon fire over top of it, that was going to be my that was going to be my arias and my <laughs> recitative and stuff was going to be like machine gun fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I but that that one little piece of music and that one cue is, is where that all came from. I scored a game a while ago called Counter Spy and um, it's a it was a 1960s spy thing yeah um, like a Cold War spy game and I told myself when I was doing that game like okay don't listen to any John Barry stuff you don't want to get too um, yeah too Bond influenced and I wrote the first couple of cues and I sent them to Sony and they were getting ready to implement stuff for an E3 video and um, I was listening back to it one day and realized that I had, even though I hadn't listened to any of it, I had basically just rewritten the B section to the main Bond theme. And so I was like, oh, God, what have I done? And I had to email Sony and say, like, stop the presses. Like, I got to give me give me like an hour. I got to send you a new piece of music. Wow. And so that freaked me out when that happened. And yeah. uh, I've tried to be really conscientious since then of finding things that will influence me but not leave a, like – 
just unbelievably indelible mark on the yeah. score. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of now listen with uh, scores at an arm's distance. So I mm-hmm. don't internalize any one thing all that much. Um, I don't want to have to go through that again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's stressful. It's you, yeah. you, you're worried about that. I think all the time as a composer, um, sure. I had that happen once at, um, LucasArts too. When I was on staff there, I, I wrote a piece of music for a game, I, a Star Wars game, and I put it in the game and everyone started to hear it. And one of the level designers came up to me and said, hey, cool piece of music. Why are you quoting the main theme to Dune though? And I'm like, oh, uh, oops. Um, okay. I didn't know I was doing that, but I'll take That's the amazing. piece out now. Yeah. So... Wow. Uh, you know, there's only yeah. so many notes sometimes. <laughs> 12 last I checked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesse, I really did enjoy the score. Um, super fun Thank listen you. as as uh, has become the case anytime I, I hear a score from you. And so, you. yeah, just really enjoyed talking to you. Do you have anything else you want to say, like where people can pick it up and uh, things along those lines? Yeah, it'll be out. Um wherever you get digital music and uh, it releases the same day as the game. So September 25th, if this is out after that, go out and get it now. It'll be out there. Um, And um, yeah, it should be wherever, wherever you want to hear music, it should be there. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, again. Um, Just really great getting caught up with you. And I look forward to the next one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to episode 140 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Jesse Harlan at patreon.com slash level, and you'll find a playlist there as well. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc., 